Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic, what makes the best leaders so good. Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, welcome. So I've got a great guest, Travis Hall, a pastor, leader, author, now podcaster that uh, you're going to hear from now. Really, really great interview. And I just took some great takeaways from it myself. Pay attention where he's talking about the power of you. Really, really good stuff. He leads a church, uh, the Life Church in Atlanta. He's been in uh, minister before for 14 years prior to that. And really cool perspective to hear about leadership in a different realm that we've normally talked about on this show, and that's uh, leading a church, but impacting people and how he develops people and has had life-changing impacts on people, one of whom I know personally. So here you go. Great stuff. All right. Welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, related to leading yourself and, of course, leading other people. I have a great guest on today. I'm super excited to talk to Travis Hall. He is a fascinating guy with a fascinating story. I know you're going to enjoy this. Uh, Travis, thank you for joining us today. John, it's a real pleasure to be here. I couldn't wait for this interview. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, man. I know you are a leader in so many aspects. You're a leader uh, as a pastor of Life Church. You're a leader in life. Uh, you're now a podcaster. I'm looking forward to talking to, to talking to you about all kinds of stuff. But maybe for the benefit of our audience, if you want to bring them up to speed a little bit on your story, because I know you've got a really interesting one, and we can we can start wherever you want, and I'll be I'm sure peppering you with a bunch of questions. Okay, sure. Yeah. Well, um, I certainly never early in life anticipated being where I am right now doing what I'm doing right now. I didn't have what you would call a traditional start um, in the world of um, leadership or the world of success. I was a horrible, horrible student in high school. Um, I was much more social than academic. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I got a really, really rocky, rough start. Uh, when I was about 24 years old, I had this insatiable desire to learn and something switched inside of me, man. And I just started um, reading. Uh, before that, John, I hated reading. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a pastor, so I wasn't at that time, but um, I was definitely really involved in church. And so other outside of maybe reading uh, my Bible, anything else really seemed like a waste of time. Why would I read if I could watch it or listen to something? Yeah. And um, I remember grabbing my first couple of leadership books. I read uh, uh, John Wooden, um, Pyramid of Success. And then I read uh, Rudy Giuliani's book on leadership and then a John Maxwell book. And the rest was sort of history Yeah. and started this journey of growth. And um, today I've, I've wrapped up my master's degree and I've written my first book, which is hopefully should be published by January 1st and starting a podcast, pastoring a an amazing church and a husband, dad. And wow. Yeah, that's sort of it in a nutshell. That's a lot. So I want to, I want to talk to you about uh, all of that. Uh, so what made you grab that first leadership book? John Wooden, by the way, I've studied him and that is a fantastic book. What made you uh, first get into that? 
this sense of this sense of purpose, a sense of calling, knowing that I really wanted to make a difference. And I realized how underdeveloped I was, I think, as a leader at that point in my life. I just I just had this moment of I saw actually I saw John Wooden in an interview. It was literally he was at a UCLA basketball game. Of course, he hadn't coached for many years. I mean, at that time. And um, I heard him talking and I was so intrigued by this guy who it would have been so easy at that point in his life. He had been retired for many years to put life on cruise control. And I'm listening to this guy talk, John Wooden, and he still he said he was still reading every day. Hmm. And that struck a chord inside of him. Like, why? I remember thinking, why? Hmm. He's so successful. He could easily just hit cruise and, and enjoy the rest of his life, but he's still investing in himself. That did something inside of me. It stirred something up inside of me. And I realized that if I was going to make a difference or any kind of an impact, um, I needed to start working on me. I need to start developing myself rather than, than just kind of hoping one day something would happen. I needed to take initiative to make something happen for myself. Wow. And that began your journey. Yeah. That started the journey of, wow learning and jumping into this thing called leadership, which at the time was a little bit of a foreign concept. And then um, I remember finding a mentor. I remember somebody beginning to talk to me about, about leadership. In fact, he was the guy that threw the first John Maxwell book at me. And, you know, you can't read John Maxwell without discovering that you need to invest in yourself. And so yeah. it sort of started this perpetual process of, of development. Yeah. Do you look back now and, and look at that, former version of yourself and are you amazed at where you've come uh did you know that you get where you are what 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 happened no you know like sometimes you hear guys say like oh i i knew since i was 15 you know that i was going to be here and either they're either they're really insightful or they're just lying I, you know i'm not <laughs> sure which one it is i don't i don't know i i but that wasn't me i didn't have that sort of insight i um uh, had no idea. I, in fact, my wife, Tina and I, we were watching an old video, like old VHS tape video of me, mm-hmm. uh, talking to, to some friends. And, and my wife said, who is that guy? Like uh-huh. I wasn't anything close to who I am today. I, I was super insecure. I was, um, uh, not, I didn't, I wasn't, well-spoken. I wasn't real confident in myself. And, and it was like me watching, it was like watching a whole different person and a whole nother person. It was really surreal. Wow. What gave you that confidence? So when you started to, cause you see you're very, you know, relaxed, confident, you've got this kind of calm self-assuredness about yourself. I know that does. And there's so many people, I get questions from people. How do you become more, you know, self-assured assured or confident? Where do you think that did come from? Well, I, I think for every one of us in, in the journey, I think the temptation early as you develop yourself is to find people you admire. And, and then I think rather than learn from them, the temptation is to simply imitate them. And I, I think um, maybe there's some quality there, like, you know, find someone you admire and, and imitate their success. Maybe you can grab some of those principles, but, but here's the danger. If we if we make it our life's mission to simply imitate somebody else, we end up losing ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think the ability to to your point to to be relaxed is is really coming back to the idea of being authentic. And I don't think until we're willing to embrace 
ourself and who we are, we'll ever have the ability to be comfortable in our own skin. And you, you know, you and I both know, and, and your listeners know, I mean, you're most comfortable when you're around someone else who feels comfortable being themselves. And I think authenticity is the greatest attribute. I really do of, of any leader, a leader's ability to be him or herself mm-hmm. is their greatest asset. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. And I think part of that is being vulnerable and also, uh, oh, yeah. you know, there's so many people that are putting up a facade or a, you know, a false exterior that, uh, that's in a- an aim to be seen as someone that it, versus really truly being themselves. And people are smart enough. They can ultimately see through that, you know, and then there's right. a breakdown of trust, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, you said it perfectly. I think, and I think as leaders just owning our insecurities, um, I think that's just a part of authenticity. I, you know, it's funny. Some of the most effective leaders I know are the most transparent about whatever they're insecure about, which, which is sort of a paradox because I think insecurity by its very nature wants to remain sort of in the shadows and hidden. But when you listen to confident leaders, sort of what makes them confident is their ability to just be like, yeah, I, I'm horrible at this. I don't feel secure about this. I don't feel secure about that. And as they're admitting their insecurities, you're, they're getting your respect because they seem less secure or, or more secure rather. And so I think that's sort of the paradox of authenticity is I, I don't think there's a moment where you just say, I'm no longer insecure. I think it's the ability to own those moments and be like, yeah, that's something I'm sort of insecure about and kind of working on. Yeah. That sort of helps us to be the authentic version of ourselves. Yeah. But, and it's also, I think, realizing uh, who you are and what you are great at, you have to recognize what you're not great at. When you try to right. be, you know, everything to everybody, that's where you are uh, inauthentic and you're stretching yourself and you don't build confidence because you really can't. You're right. doing things that are, you're, you're kind of faking it, so to speak. Uh, when you're sticking in the area that you really truly are excellent at, then it's easier to build confidence because you're better at it. You have success with it. It builds on another success. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think um, I, that's a form of false humility that I think a lot of leaders can fall into is, I don't know why we just struggle to give ourselves permission to admit that there's stuff we are good at. Yeah. Um, and um, I really, be- I really believe John that a leader um, who's always trying to, prove himself can never be himself. Um, that's sort of a motto I live by. I think if we're always trying to prove to everyone else who we are, we can't just be who we are, then it's hard to lead from a place of authenticity. And it's exhausting, man. Like when I was really young in my leadership journey, I was tired a lot. It was exhausting because you always had to keep up this sort of facade of imitating somebody that you're not. Mm-hmm. And your guard was always up. The minute I decided to embrace who I was, was honestly the minute that the ball started moving down the field, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Interesting. You said something to me uh, when we talked last that I thought was in- incredibly impactful. I wrote it down and I'm, it made an impact on me. And it was about making room for the right people. I don't want to steal your quote, but do you remember yeah. what you said to me? Yeah. Yeah, man. That is a great point. I, I just had to learn that the hard way. Um, I often wasted time trying to be somebody I'm not in order to keep the wrong people in my life. And the moment that I decided to embrace who I really was, was the moment the right people who I needed in my life showed up. And, and I think, you know, we, we waste a lot of time because we think maybe this, 
this person or that person's going to open a door or maybe this relationship or that relationship is going to going to produce something in, in our lives that is good. But if I have to pretend to be something I'm not for that to happen, then they're probably the wrong people. Mm-hmm. I just need to be the authentic version of me. When I started doing that, John, when I just owned who I was, it was amazing how quickly the right people started showing up in my life. Yeah. I love that. You know, and it's it's so true because people spend, and I've caught myself doing this too sometimes, where you're you're thinking too much about how people are going to react to what you're saying or what you're putting out there. You're trying to aim for a specific audience. And right. you know, I see a lot of people on social media doing that or people just starting businesses and they're trying to identify, they're trying to, to cater who they are and change who they are to try to attract a certain person that they never end up really attracting. And they right. never really end up getting because that's not who they are versus to your point when you really do, you know, stay true to who you are uh, and don't worry so much and don't worry about changing your message and how's this going to be received and whatnot. And who is this gonna, person going to like this or not? Then you do attract those right people. It's amazing, right? You make room for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's funny how I think when I look back, I kept missing the right people and I think they were always close, but we kept missing each other because they didn't recognize who I was because I wasn't the authentic version of myself. And I think sometimes we cheat ourselves and we, we kind of push destiny. We push purpose down the road when we pretend to be uh, somebody that we're not. And man, it's just life's just a lot more fun when you can just be yourself. Yeah, definitely. So getting back to John Wooden for a minute, one, one of the things I love about him is he really um, and I'd love to get your take on this. He's all about when he was developing his players, it was, first of all, he was developing them, not just coaching them on basketball, but it was developing them on who they are as human beings. And it was all different. There was this whole pyramid. It was all different elements of life and being a gentleman and being uh, spiritual and being uh, uh, intelligent and being having emotional confidence and everything and giving how important do you think that balances? What does that do for you when, because I see a lot of people where they become laser focused on one area of their life. They invest everything in business to right. the exclusion of everything else. How important, right. and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on the importance of balance in life. Okay. Well, I have a different take on balance than probably a lot of people do. I, I think when it comes to let me let me address that in two different um, two different answers, John. If that's okay. Um, first of all, I think when it comes to balance, we have to be careful. I think balance itself. This is my personal conviction: is that it's a little bit of an illusion. And let me explain why. Um, because balance takes every ounce of energy you have to attain it, and then once you get it, it takes even more energy to keep it. Um, because you think of balance, you think of uh, somebody who's walking a tightrope, like at a circus, think of how much energy it took him to get that balance. And once he obtains perfect balance, if you put a feather on his shoulder, he's going to tip off on one side or other. I don't think for me, balance is the objective. I look for the rhythm of my season. I don't look for balance, I look for rhythm because every season of my life changes. And in every season of my life, I'm developing a different part of me, um, depending upon that season. Before I was a father, I wasn't trying to develop myself as a father. Uh, before I was a husband, I wasn't trying to develop myself a hu- as a husband. Before, before I was a um, a writer, I wasn't necessarily trying to become, you know, work on my writing until I felt I was in that season of writing. So I, I always encourage people find the rhythm of the season. However, to your point, 
Now, I'm a leadership guy, so let me preface what I'm about to say with that. I've, I've spent most of my life studying leadership, but here's what I, I have discovered. To a degree, we live in a culture that is absolutely drunk on leadership or intoxicated with it, and we have often neglected issues like character, to your point. John Wooden was always about not just developing the skill, but developing the character of one of his, of his players. And I think if we're not careful, and I think we see this in our culture a lot, We'll get so focused on developing skills that we'll forget about character. And here's the danger. You can have the skills to get you into a room, but if you haven't worked on your character, eventually you can't stay there. At some point, our lack of character is going to show up. Now, it might be you might have enough skills to fake it till you make it. Like, you know, you might get 10 years into your career but at some point it shows up. It might show up in, in you know, somebody's going to have an affair on their spouse. Or maybe it's going to show up in somebody trying to steal from their company. You know, those are big, those are sort of bigger things, but mm-hmm. those things eventually impact the rest of your life. The way we treat friends, the way we, you know, we make a point to call people back. Those are character matters that eventually later mm-hmm. they come back to get us. So I think the importance of, we can't neglect character development. We can't neglect developing who we are as a person if we just focus on skills. Let me say it like this. Um, You might be able to get through the door with skills, but if you don't develop character, eventually you'll be shown the door. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. You you, you just won't be able to sustain it for long. And I think think what's tricky about it is that you can for a while actually have the, have actually have the, mirage of success. You can kind of have the illusion of, hey, I'm, I'm doing it. You know, I'm in, yeah. I've got the corner office. I've, I've, I've obtained this certain level of success, but there's lurking beneath the surface. There's a lack yeah. of character that eventually will, will bite you. Do you think most people that don't have strong character know it? Are they aware of it? <laughs> Boy, that's a, wow. That's a great question. I think, I think it depends on the voices they've allowed to speak into their lives. If they've in, if they've if they've really sought out mentors and coaches that can help them professionally, then then they should be aware of it unless they've insulated. So there's a difference. I can seek out voices that can truly speak to flaws they see in my life and respect it and make adjustments. Or I can just insulate and surround myself with people that stroke my ego, in which case I probably won't know until it's too late and I've probably lost something. Mm-hmm. Career, opportunity, relationships, you know, my goodness, I've seen great leaders who are successful publicly, John, as I'm sure you have, mm-hmm. but privately they have no relationship with their children, you know, their marriages in shambles, their 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 friendships, they, they have a hard time keeping friendships. And so at what point, you know, was it worth the cost? And I think mm-hmm. for your listeners, if there's anyone that can relate, I would just encourage them and say, if you have lost something, it's not too late now to pick up some pieces, make some adjustments now. You can't do anything about the past, but you sure as heck can do something about the future. Mm, yeah, that's so uh, that's so powerful. You're right. And and I think that's, you know, I, I've seen that. I've seen leaders that are very successful in business, but they lack character. And I, I, I really feel some of them don't even realize it or they choose oh. to ignore it. You bring up such a great point that they surround themselves with people that just stroke their ego. Ego, and I think you're when you're seeking a mentor, that's important to get a mentor and surround yourself with people that are going to be honest with you and really truly let you know because they have your best interest at in heart. Let you know what they see that you don't see because everybody's got their blind spot. You can't see 
what you're not, you know, you're in your own, your own perspective. I can't see, you know, the back of my head. <laughs> Somebody else can see it, but I can't <laughs> see everything when I think I'm doing one thing or communicating a certain way. I've had people tell me that, hey, you know what? That came out a different way, or this is what right. I took from that. And I'm like, wow, I didn't, I would never have known that. Thanks for the feedback. So um, that mentoring and surrounding yourself with the right people is, is critical, right? Right. It is. And I think our ability to really find the right people comes almost full circle back to the beginning of our conversation because, you know, my ability to operate in a sense of authenticity and in a sense of, you know, security is going to require me to be willing to let people, you know, call me out on stuff that, that I'm not, you know, executing with uh, a high level of integrity or character. I think um, I have to let people speak to me, but it's hard to do that. If, if I tie my identity, John, to my activity, then you critiquing me will sound like I'm a failure mm-hmm. instead of I failed at this. Failing at something doesn't make you a failure. And I think that's something we have to straighten out because a lot of guys don't want to hear that they're doing wrong. Because if you hear, hey, that came out wrong, if you tie your identity, your authenticity to, to, to that, then what you're going to hear is I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference. We're not yeah. talking about identity or value here as a, as a leader, as a person, we're talking about growing in our gift and growing in what we're created to do, growing what we're called to do. And I think, but it all comes back to this sense of, you know, authenticity when you know who you are, yeah. you're willing to let people speak into the flaws of your life. Yeah. So let me ask you a little little shift here. You're now uh, leading a church down in uh, Atlanta. You have been for the last three and a half plus years. Uh, you've you prior to that were minister, I think, for fourteen years. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, ta- talk to us and the audience about what that is like. I mean, you know, very few people have ever had that opportunity and that experience. I'd love to hear from your perspective. I mean, what is your mission and your purpose. And I'd love to hear about what are some of the challenges of leading a church and going in as a a new to a church and and trying to accomplish what you're trying to do. Well, ministry is interesting. And I think ministry is one of the most overlooked um, areas of leadership development and growth, probably in our culture, I think. Um, And here's, here's why it's so unique because in ministry you're, you're leading, uh, you have vision you have mission um, that you really believe in and you're executing that vision and mission. Most ministry environments have small staffs, you know, unlike maybe our fortune 500 companies that have extensive payroll, we have smaller payroll, which means that we're helping people develop their talents, their skills, and their giftings on, on a volunteer basis. And from that perspective, it is a unique environment because people who are leading churches in ministry have to do it, but they don't have the payroll that, that, that often large companies have uh, to execute what they're trying to execute, but they still have a vision that they very much have this conviction. Um, And so helping to develop people or build people is something that I'm very, very passionate about. It's a part of our culture at Life Church. Um, And to your point, we spend a lot of time helping leaders develop their core, who they are, we work on skills, but we focus more on the core, the character of a person. We spend a lot of time on that uh, because I really believe with all of my heart, John, that um, in any environment, um, you know, the old John Maxwell saying, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. I think if we help people develop who they are, if we care about them 
as a husband, as a wife, as a mother or father who's going to go home at the end of the day. I think that kind of care communicates something to them. Mm-hmm. And I think because of it, they're more willing to help the vision of, of the house or the church uh, move that ball down the field. Like, hey, this guy, isn't, he's not just using me, quote unquote, for my gift. He really cares about me as a person. Mm-hmm. So I think the principles of leadership are really cross-cultural. I think they, they cross, you know, ministry, corporation, small business. I think they're all the same. But for me, man, we're, you know, we've got a message. I mean, I, I preach Christ. I'm, I'm a Christian pastor. Uh, my message is the gospel. Um, I believe it brings healing and hope to the world. I still believe it's the answer to our world's uh, problems. I really do, um, if you get the gospel right. Um, and so that's something that we're really passionate about. We want to help people heal. Uh, the world is full of brokenness. The world is full of pain. The world is full of isolation. We get bad news, man, you know, seven days a week. I think it should be a source of good news. I think the church should be a source of, Hey, let's, you know, we're here for you. We want to help you. Mm. Um, and so that's what we're about at life church. We're a very diverse congregation, man. I love it, especially in, in we're living in a culture right now, we need healthy diversity models. And I think, um, the church can be a great place for that. And that's happening here at life church. What gives you the most satisfaction? Wow. Um, what gives me the most satisfaction is, I'm not even going to try to contextualize this, John. It, it is just what it is. It, what gives me the most satisfaction is people discovering their identity in Christ, man. It's that. It's introducing people to Christ because my life was turned around when I was introduced to Christ. I I, I started out really bad. I was, you know, um, very young. My brother was killed in, a, in an accident. He, he was in the Navy. Um, I responded to his death at the age of 14. John, I, I turned to drugs and alcohol um, very young, um, went on this, this rampage, this, this appetite for destruction for about four years of my life, man. Ended up dropping out of high school. Um, I was getting high. I was in trouble with the law. Um, I was introduced to Christ, and he's real, man. He came into my life, changed my life. I want to help other people have that same experience uh, because that ultimately was the ultimate catalyst for me, for, mm. for me being who I am today. And, and what happened at that point? How did you, was it somebody approaching you? Was it, how did you, how did you uh, discover? Well, my parents, my parents had been, they, they had had, re- had a relationship with Christ for years. Uh, not me so much. I was, my faith was, I mean, shallow at best, John. And so when, when I went through this crisis, it exposed the shallow roots of my faith, honestly. You know, I lost my brother. He died. And I blame God for that. Mm. So really, it was seeds that my parents had sown in my life for a long time. And I just kind of got to the end of myself. My, 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 the bottom had fallen out of my life. Um, I'd lost friends. I had lost this relationship I was in. I had lost the apartment I was living in. I'd lost my job. I, man, my, the bottom fell out. I was making every bad decision you could make at that point in my life. And um, here's what I found out, John. Sometimes God loves us enough. He'll let us get to the bottom to realize that everything we need is in him. Mm. And that's what I came to that. I just came to that, that raw discovery. Mm. And I found out God's good. Life isn't always good, John. It's not, but yeah. God, man, he is always good. Yeah. Well, I, 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 there's a mutual friend you and I have that you have turned his life, helped him turn his life around and done the same thing that it sounds like uh, you, you were fortunate to, to experience and you were that turning point. You were the one that that really helped him 
uh, and introduced him to uh, understanding Christ and and really who he who he is. Uh, that's got to be un- incredible. That's got to feel to know that yeah, you had yeah. that much of an impact. Has got to yeah. It's it's rewarding. It's um, I have a soft place in my heart for broken people because I you know that's how God found me. I mean, I was a mess and broken. And so um, being able to introduce people to Christ and watch the transformation, hands down, man, it's mm-hmm. it's one of the most incredible experiences of my life. It's mm-hmm. why I get up in the morning. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure there's more more people like him that you've impacted. With what you're doing, is there a way, and I don't know if I'm going to phrase this the right way, but is there kind of a way that you measure your success or impact or is that not even important but i mean are you looking at how many people are coming in to church and are you is that kind of a measure what do you what are you looking at that's kind of your gauge yeah we do i mean we have metrics just like you know anybody has has what they call you know target metrics or kpis we we actually use those terms and we 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 employ those those tools um we do count how many people come, you know, every number is a, is a person and every person matters. But uh, that being said, we want to build people. We, we're about p- building people. We want to build people up. I mean, that's, that's really, and that's a hard thing to measure, John, honestly. So when, when you have, um, you know, you just referenced a mutual friend of ours, Daryl, I mean, you've got the Daryls of the world um, and I get to watch that every day. You don't always get to see it firsthand every day like that though. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can employ the same principles we've been talking about of leadership. Um, I always say invest in the dry wood, dry wood catches on fire quicker. If you keep trying to, to, you know, catch wet wood on fire, you just get a lot of smoke, but if you can help the dry wood catch on fire, then the wet wood will dry out around it and eventually they'll catch fire too. And so I'm always trying to identify that dry wood. I'm always trying to find those ready hearts and those ready souls and make those investments and help lead them on that path. And um, that's a great uh, metaphor. Yeah. yeah those, man, I, and how do you, would you describe dry wood in that metaphor as somebody who, who knows that they need help and wants the help and is willing to, to take it and do something with it? Is that, yeah, you just, yeah, okay. you just, you summed it up actually really well. I think, there is there is a hunger in the heart that you see it. Um, if you have to chase them down all the time, they're not ready. But when they're at your door, when they're when they're there and they know and they're seeking you out and they're seeking wisdom and they're seeking mentorship and they're they're seeking they want that help in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, that that is usually some pretty dry wood. But if you're always chasing them down, and I think that's the hardest part for any leader. A leader can identify the potential in people sometimes before they can see it themselves. Mm. And I had to learn that the hard way because I would be chasing people down because I saw their potential, but they weren't aware of their potential yet. And they weren't ready to cultivate it. They weren't ready uh, to engage their own process of growing and learning. And and so I had to learn how to let that go because I was wasting time trying to catch this wet wood on fire, man. And it was just smoke. And, you know, if you've ever been around fire, smoke is in your eyes and it's frustrating and irritating and you just want to move like, you know, can I get away from this? Um, so I learned, I've learned the hard way, John, to focus on that dry wood. And then I've watched it work yeah. as, as transformation happens in their lives. The people around them begin to desire that same transformation. 
Yeah. And I, I really believe, and I know from personal experience, when you develop other people, I mean, there's one, one element is developing yourself and investing in yourself. And then when you pass it off and you're developing other people, that makes you so much of a better leader that develops your own leadership. You've got people that are listening that may not. Now, you've got a lot of parents that are listening. I mean, you're developing kids. I mean, that's a big part of that's right. leadership. Um, but you also have some people that are are maybe intrigued by this and say, hey, I want to I'd like to mentor. Or I'd like to develop somebody uh, but they may not be in any kind of formal leadership role where that opportunity exists naturally. What would you say to somebody and how would they actually do that and, and find that dry wood, so to speak, and actually give back and help develop? I, yeah, I think it starts with this. I think there comes a point in every one of our lives that we have to truly believe in us. And that's not just, um, you know, a token, a phrase or saying, I really believe that with all of my heart at some point, we've got to come to this place of believing that, that we were created with something good inside of us that can help people because we were every human being on the planet, I believe was created in the image of God. I believe that God placed treasure inside of all of us. I really do. And until we're willing to put ourselves out there, that treasure will always remain buried treasure, which means that not only will we not benefit from it, but others won't either. And I think part of digging up our treasure is helping other people and investing in people. And I would just tell whoever's listening um, that might connect to this, um, there's more in you than you think. And you have a lot more to offer than you think. And the things that you take for granted, like, oh, everyone knows that. Oh, everybody can do that. No, they can't. Not everybody can do that like you think they can. Not everyone does know what you know. And I think it's often the stuff we take for granted the most, the everyday stuff that people people want to know. I would say find some, start with one person, start with the people in your house. I mean, if you don't have anybody else, your kids, yeah. invest in your kids, start there. Yeah. Um, start with your family. Um, you know, if, if you're at work, you've got, you've got somebody that works with you, you know, start, I don't know, find someone, a relationship. I think you'd be surprised. I think we would all be surprised that there's probably already built in relationships there with your family and other people that you work with or around you that would really be open to learning from you and what you have. They just, people don't always have the courage to ask. They don't know how to ask. No, they don't. And that's the thing they don't. And they, they, they don't get it because they don't ask sometimes or put themselves out there, you know, as, as wanting it. So, so I, I know, and I, I feel myself, there are days where, and I think some people feel that, okay, they're listening to this they're watching you They're You know, you, you've, you've obviously got a strong sense of who you are, and it's almost like you're just in your A game and really doing what you are meant to do and you do it so well. But I know there's mornings where you probably wake up and you're like, okay, I just don't feel like myself. I know I do sometimes. It's like, wow, I just don't feel like I'm in my A game at all. Uh, you might have a big, uh, you know, you've got to speak to to the, the, the group on, on, on a Sunday and you've got to, you know, whatever, or you've got to do some other activity where you're, you're in front of a group how do you get yourself into the A game? If you're not feeling it and you're in a bad place or whatnot, I'm interested to know what you do specifically. Well, man, there's a few things that I do, honestly. And yeah, to your point, every one of us has those days. Um, you know, my wife and I have these conversations all the time. I mean, so, you know, John, some of the, some of my worst days are Sundays, which isn't good for me. 
because I'm a pastor. I, you know, Sunday's my Sunday's game day, right? I mean, Sunday's the day that I'm, I preach, I preach, I communicate two different services on Sunday. Uh, a lot of people would never know this, John, but just before I went up, I leaned over to my wife and said, man, I'm off. I don't feel like myself. I, man, I'm just struggling with this. I'm frustrated about this. And the only one that knows it will be my wife. And um, I'll often get done, John, and I'll come, I'll come off the platform. She goes, what are you talking about? That was, man, that was like one of your best messages ever. Like, and, and so I would just, I, I think part of leading is making the decision um, that your feelings aren't going to dictate um, your calling, that whatever it was you were created to do, nobody can do what you do like you do. And I think you have to just believe in that, that, that reality. But practically speaking, what do I do? Man, I'll tell you, um, I talk to my wife. That's one of the things I really do. I think everyone needs somebody that they can lean into. Um, and I'll just be honest with my wife. And I'll say, here's kind of what I'm feeling. I'm not myself. I just, I don't know. I'm wrestling with this idea, this thought. Um, I also, besides my wife, I have a, I have a very close friend who is a pastor. He, we both do the same thing. And so I'll talk to him as well sometimes. Uh, we'll bounce off stuff off each other. And I think I would encourage everyone out there to build a relationship with somebody that you can be really honest with mm -hmm. um, starting at home. Uh, besides that, I talked to my wife, I talked to my friend, and obviously, now I didn't say I talked to God, but that's a given. Um, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. I pray often. I pray all the time. Uh, but then I talked to myself. And I think this is something that we miss. And it might sound a little hokey, but man, I literally talk to myself. Like, I, I have these confessions I make, these declarations, we'll call them, over my life all the time, man. I, I tell myself, yeah, I was created for this. I don't feel like doing this, but I was created to do this. God put me together for this. This is my moment. Like, I will say that to myself. Mm. I, here's why. Because, and some people listen like, oh, that's kind of hokey. Like, you really talk to yourself. Here's the funny thing. Everyone listening does it all the time. We might not do it out loud, but we do it up here in our head all the time. And yeah. sometimes we're our greatest critic. So why not be your biggest fan? And I don't mean that arrogantly or pridefully because, you know, that's never healthy. But I just mean literally begin to be your biggest fan. I say that to myself. I was created to preach the gospel. I was created to help people grow in their faith. I was created to develop leaders. I was made for this. This is my moment. Yeah. And so I think the days that I want to do it the least, by the way, are the days I need to do it the most. Yeah, that's such a good, I love that. That's such a good point. I feel the same way. Some of the days that you, and it applies to anything. I mean, honestly, if you're a runner, you yeah. go out some of the days, the mornings you wake up, you just don't feel like it and you push yourself, you get out there, it's the best run or your best workout or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think you're, you're so right with that. It's just, you've got to, you, you push yourself to do it. And sometimes you feel like it's not been your a game, but there's right. somebody in that audience that is, has been impacted significantly by what you said. Um, so, so let me ask you, do you ever get, you ever, you're you know, going in front of big groups. I mean, you know, that's the scariest thing for, for most people out there to speak to a large audience. Do you ever get nervous before a big service? Um, you know, it's I'm, sometimes it, 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 just, it just depends. I honestly, I think for me personally, I think it goes back to a point you made at the very beginning of, of our conversation giving yourself permission to be confident in what you're good at. You find your niche and you run in it. And I think that's kind of where I'm at with that. And um, I just, you know, I feel like 
you know, who was the guy? I don't remember his name. The, you know, the old chariots of fire guy, the, the, the world renowned, the runner, you know, he, yeah. I don't, I can't remember his name. It escapes me. Like I've read, an art, I've read articles about this guy, but he, he said something. He said, um, when I'm running, I feel the pleasure of God. Like mm. when I'm running, I know this is what I was put together to do. When I'm leading, when I'm communicating, when I'm preaching, when I'm speaking, that's how I feel. I'm in my lane. I'm doing exactly what I was put together to do. Mm. Is it humbling? Always. Anytime you get an opportunity to speak to people and make investments in their life, wow, that's mm. really a humbling thing. Mm. But I, I don't necessarily get nervous about those environments. Mm. That's a, uh, yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. It's your unique ability, right? As you know, you're up there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I mean, that's, you know, that's my, now I, there were times I got nervous, but, but not so much anymore. I think as I've grown in, in realizing this is what I'm created for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now are there environments I still get nervous in? Um, yeah, but I'll be honest. I try to, I have to discern between, okay, this is a growing stretching moment. So this is good for me. So let me go ahead and lean into it. Yeah. Versus, um, am I nervous about it? Because I shouldn't be doing it. Like, Am I in my lane or have I gotten out of my lane and now I feel like a duck out of water and mm. maybe that's why I feel this way. So I think we have to be able as leaders to discern that. Mm. So is this me growing right now and I need yeah. to really embrace it or have I gotten out of my lane and that's why I'm yeah. stumbling, fumbling, bumbling and maybe this is a sign to me, a clue. Hey, yeah. get back over in your lane and do what you were made to do. I love that, man. That's so, that's profound. And you're right. It's like, I think to times like that where, you know, and that's, that goes to the authenticity. Okay. I'm not really being who I truly am. I'm trying to be something I'm not. And because of that right. in this situation, I'm, 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 I'm out of uh, my comfort zone. So, wow, that's great. Great point. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I think, my delivery was a lot different. So I, the, the pastor I followed at this church, he, his delivery, the way he communicated was very, very different from my own. And I remember getting here and, and me trying to be strategic, John, as the, the new pastor. And I wanted to be strategic and I wanted to ease people into me because we were so different than the guy I followed was so different. Amazing guy. We were just totally different, two totally different people, our personalities, our style, our delivery. And so I remember kind of toning myself down. And man, those were some of my most ineffective days. Mm. Like I should have just came in and owned me. Yeah. You know, that was a horrible mistake. I wasted some time there. Wow. Um, and I wasn't natural. Um, you know why? Because I would never do what he did as well as he did it. Yeah. So why would I try to be a version of him? Why yeah. not just be me, man? Yeah. Yeah. And so the man, I'm like, okay, this is stupid. Let me just get back to me. Like, yeah. that's what, that's why I'm here. So yeah. when I got back to me, man, things started hitting. And ironically, I, we already covered this, but maybe someone needs to hear it again. When I got back to me, that's when we started losing people at the church. We really didn't need to keep because they were never going to be on board with the vision that we had anyway. Wow. And, and that's a whole, that's such a good topic. And I, I see leaders do that all the time in, in running businesses where they come and they take over as CEO or whatnot or, or any role for a predecessor. And they try too hard to do exactly what you did, which is, okay, I don't want there to be too much shock. Let me try to continue the things that the other person had 
I don't want to try try really come on too strong. And the same exact thing happens in business. Then they end up going either not being happy because they haven't been them, themselves. They're not right. getting the results they can get. And they're there for a reason. You know, they're there right. to turn that business around. And, and it's even worse when a leader comes in to take over a failing business because they're there even more for a reason. That other leader was not doing the job and, and doing what he or she was doing is not going to be the answer. You have to really truly be yourself. So I think there's a great right. lesson in there for leaders going into any new role that you really truly have to be yourself right from the start. Yeah, isn't it ironic that a leader stepping into change steps into change, and then the the first temptation is when you've stepped into change is to keep things the same. Yeah, right. Especially when it, it, it wasn't working before. Yeah, yeah, and it <laughs> already wasn't working. That's why you're right, there. Right. So exactly. Wow. I think rip the bandaid off. Be yourself. The people that are going to leave are going to leave. The people that need to leave probably just need to get get on down the road, yeah. so you can move yeah. this all down. So tell us about your book. I know that's coming out pretty soon. Oh, thanks for asking about it, man. It's uh, Labor of Love. It's um, the title of the book is called Seven Deadly Thoughts. And I really address the limiting beliefs that we often embrace about ourselves. Um, I'm convinced it's not what other people think about you that holds you back. It's what you think about you that holds you back. Um, it's not your, your, it's, your Facebook critic is not the most dangerous critic. It's the one in your head. And that's probably what what separates most of us is, is the sooner we can correct faulty thinking about ourselves is the sooner we can step into whatever God created us to, whatever we're made for, whether it be the marriage that you want to have, the family you want to have, the business you want to have, the ministry you're called and you created to. Um, so that's, that book was written. I really have a strong burden to help people, man. I just see people struggling in life and it comes back to some really limiting beliefs they have about themselves. Yeah. And when does it uh, become available? When can people get it? Uh, uh, January 1st, as a matter of fact, it should be available right now. It's in the final processes of um, layout and ed uh, not editing, but layout and then print. Excellent. That's exciting. Wow. First of many books or is this uh, one and done? Yes. No, no, many? that's the plan. I, I already have, I already have some other projects kind of stirring on the back burner, but I want to get this one knocked out. And then of course we're okay. launching, um, launching a podcast. So that's taking up some time. Yeah. So tell us about the podcast. That's exciting too. So the podcast is called transformational truths and it uh, officially launches October the 13th. That will be the first episode. And the vision behind it is we really want to help people and leaders um, adopt or reclaim a paradigm of leadership that's going to restore the joy to life in leading. I've just, John, I've seen too many really gifted people um, embrace paradigms of life and leadership that just absolutely robs them of their life. And I really don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. Man, I love what I do, John. Mm -hmm. I love leading. I love pastoring. I love helping people. I love building people. And I love it. Not every day is easy, but um, but even in the difficult moments, I find good. I find like, man, this is stretching me. I'm growing through this moment. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of leaders have adopted paradigms of leadership. It's killing them and they're miserable. We want to help change that. We want to restore the joy to life and leadership. So transformational truths. The idea is we take an, a leadership truth and axiom. We boil it down and want to help people apply these practical truths to their lives. It's going to help them really not just finish well, but start well and stay well. Mm, I love that, man. I can't wait to uh, to listen to it. So how do people, uh, if they want to listen to the podcast and subscribe, and also how they get the book, where do they go? 
well, for the book, they'll be able, they will be able to find the book on Amazon uh, once it releases. That's the simplest place to go, obviously. Um, as far as the podcast go, it's simply called Transformational Truths with Pastor Travis. And um, the truths aren't just ministry-based. I believe they're going to they'll cross every different sector. Uh, they'll be helpful. And you'll be able to find it on Spotify and iTunes. In fact, the, the trailer for the podcast went live on Spotify yesterday, so you can find that. And um, yeah, I would love it if they went over to Apple iTunes and subscribed, you know, and wrote a review and all that good stuff that you want your listeners to do for you. Um, And then they can hit me up on, um, I've got a a blog called cultivatemypurpose.com. From time to time, I do some writing over there. They can hit me up on Instagram. I'm spending a lot of time there these days at Pastor Travis Hall. That's on Instagram. I always try to release some fresh and helpful content there um, every day. Excellent. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. I've loved talking with you. Uh, I know we're at the end of our time. Anything, any last words you want to leave the uh, audience with? Any last words of wisdom? Yeah, I would just encourage everyone listening um, to believe that there's something good inside of you. You have something to offer the world. And I would just encourage you to, even if you're afraid, um, I think a lot of us wrestle with the fear of rejection. Will, will people like what I have to say or will people value what's inside of me? Let me just tell you, no, not everyone will, but some will. And you want to find those. Just put yourself out there. Believe in yourself, the authentic version of yourself. Don't waste time being uh, a counterfeit of somebody else. Be you, man, be you. The world needs the gift of you. Love it. Great words to end on. Travis Hall, it has been a pleasure. We've been here with Travis, pastor, uh, leader, now podcaster, now author, and uh, on to great, great things. He's made a huge impact and uh, greatly appreciate you being here, Travis. It's been terrific. Thank you, John. It really was an honor. Great. And thanks, everybody, for joining. Uh, As always, keep liking, sharing, commenting, subscribing, give reviews, all that kind of good stuff. And I love your suggestions for future guests, future topics, things you may be struggling with, challenged in the workplace, around leadership or personally. All that is always good to hear and certainly great to bring to a larger audience. So for now, thanks for joining today. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P dot com. Thanks. Lead on.